You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! Your mother was a hamster, and your father smelt of elderberry! I am your father. Hello and welcome everyone to episode 17 of Sharp Angles. I'm one of your hosts, Rich. I'm here with... Danae. And Jeanette. And we're back at it. We're uh, ready to talk about episode 5, The Empire Strikes Back, mm-hmm. and our continuing coverage of the Star Wars saga. Woohoo! Yay. <laughs> <laughs> that was a little more hearty than yesterday's yay. Yeah. Sure, why That's not? I have to confess that I don't remember this movie with any any sort of feelings at all. And maybe it's because my dad didn't like it. I remember the first one and the third one. Don't remember this one. And I didn't remember, like, six scenes in it. Like, not even hints of it. Like, I had no recollection of Lando selling Han out to... Yeah. Like the pivotal moment of the whole entire thing. I know, right? Yes, it is. So it's like I was very confused because I didn't, I, and I will grant you that I probably wasn't paying as close attention because I'm like, ah, I've seen these. And then I was like, whoa, wait a second. What's happening here? I'll admit that I didn't remember Lando being so exceptionally cheesy. Because the last time I watched it, I thought he was really hot. And I'm like, oh, my God, that's embarrassing. But, but no, I definitely remember him being sold out. Yeah. 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 Well, you know, he really puts it on thick, too. Yeah. <laughs> it's a little cringeworthy. It actually is. As an adult, I'm going, okay, I'm really happy I'm not watching this with anyone right now because that would just double my embarrassment level. Yeah. It yeah. was, I have to say, in terms of, like, production value and cheese factor, I think this this one is cheesy. Well, I mean, it's a little more cheesy. Yeah, it is. It is. It is a little more cheesy as far as like, I don't know the. Uh, I mean, I guess it's a little more cheesy as as in you know some of the some of the story, like some of the not the story beats, but you know some of the dialogue stuff is pretty cheesy. You know, like they they kind of overham Han and and his like smarminess. Yeah. And they really overham Lando Calrissian. Oh, my and word. And in some they, ways, they over... Well, Carrie Fisher overdoes Leia to some degree or another, too. Yeah. And in her, like, fits of wanting to prove Han wrong, she, like, has a Nikki kiss with Luke. And it's like, well, you that's, know, that's because we know what's going on, but... Uh, like I remember watching this movie for the first time with my mom and her going ew, 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 about the kiss and and that that moment like that is what I I thought yeah. while watching that my mother going ew 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 because she hates PDA she's totally not Italian um, but and, also did she I'm reminding me of her right now <laughs> fair um, but but did she also know that they were brother and sister. Oh, wait, 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 huh? Okay, I missed it. You said between... Luke and... So there's a moment where... I'm sorry, yes. At the very beginning of the movie where Han is getting 
yeah. on Leia's case something fierce. Mm-hmm. And Leia decides that to prove him wrong, she lays a big old smackaroonie on to yeah. uh, onto Luke. And I, I think that's what you referenced yesterday. Okay, yeah, no, I was thinking that you were talking about uh, Han and Leia's kiss. My bad. Oh, oh, the one, <laughs> the one in the Falcon. Yeah, exactly. You know, like, you know, I don't like you know, I don't like scoundrels. I like nice man. I like nice men. Is like I'm a nice man. I am nice guys. Yeah, yeah He's not a nice guy. That's one my mother had the oh, oh, oh moment about. Oh, okay. Gotcha. I, wasn't, I thought it was. No, sorry, my bad. You did say Luke, and I just heard Han. So. <laughs> Because we've wiped that from our memory. So, well, but Leia's like getting kissed left and right in this movie. Yeah, there's a lot of kissing. Lands going one on Luke, gets kissed by uh, by Han, and then gets kissed on the hand by by uh, by Lando, and gets an ending kiss before Han ends up in Carbonite. Oh, that's they very they true. share they share a massively uh, romantic moment in front of everybody. Yep. Shockingly provocative. I know. Yeah. With a, with a good bit of improv right there. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, that that scene uh, in Empire uh-huh. where um, Leia professes her love, she says "I love you," and then Han stands there and says "I know," and Which then backs up. Awesome. That was not in the script. He was supposed <laughs> to say something else. Like I don't know what it was, but he was supposed to say something else. But he improved "I know," and they kept it. Oh my word! Okay, that's that's kind of that's awesome. Yep. I, I'm. I'm somewhat confused with the exception of the fact that I know it serves the story. So I I often take umbrage with things that serve a story that don't make logical sense in my mind. It's just the way my brain works. It's, you know, we've talked about this. It's the writer's mentality in me and your greater purpose shouldn't outweigh a good story. Yeah. Um, but I don't understand why they don't just like Darth Vader wanted Leia dead in the first movie, right? He's literally had her hand delivered to him more than once, and she still makes it. Well, but I don't know if he actually wanted her dead. It was Tarkin that ordered her execution, and and Vader stepped in during uh, during A New Hope. And said, hey, she might yet be some of some use to us because she still has knowledge of, of the Rebels. So she, she he reversed that decision from Tarkin. I don't know. I just think, like, she's annoying. <laughs> <laughs> I mean... I, she's mouthy. She is kind of mouthy. She, she doesn't know when to be politic, despite the fact that she's grown up as an ambassador's daughter and a princess. And I just don't understand Vader. Yep. Vader, I think Jackie's trying to eat the or drink the tree water, so um, I got to stop that. Excuse me uh, for a second. No, no, you go do do your thing and keep talking. I will take care of. Oh, talk. okay. So I just don't understand why Vader doesn't ax her. Like she's just sort of more trouble than she's worth to some degree or another, you know. Except that it serves the purpose of the story. I, I don't know. I just, I find her to be sort of superfluous in many ways. Maybe he can somehow sense in the force that she's really his daughter. I don't, I don't, well, this is the conversation I had with Rich last night that was, why, why can Vader sense Luke, but not Leia? She's, yeah. she's a Jedi too. 
She's got the same. Rich says no, she's not. I'm with you, Danae, and I'm actually with him at the same time because I don't think it's it's definitely alluded to that she's a Jedi because they say there's another one, there's another home, right. blah, blah, blah. But then, yeah, Leia doesn't have any powers, but the Force is strong in her. So which one is it? What, which one is it? So uh, illuminate us because I, I call a flag on the play. No, she's not. I'm I'm calling a flag either way. I don't think it's clear. Well, it's very vague, and I feel as if it's vague so that the writers had an easy way out either way. Well, she's a Force-sensitive character. So there is a difference in being Force-sensitive and being a Jedi. So when you're Force-sensitive, you can be affected by the Force, but not project the Force, not have any control, not really do much with the Force. But you kind of like have an antenna. So you can receive, but you can't transmit. You know what I mean? So Vader can't sense the Force with her because she doesn't transmit. Right. But Luke transmits, so... But Luke has been trained in the ways of the Force by Obi-Wan Kenobi, so he's unlocked that side. Now, it's possible that with training, Leia could have been a Jedi or could become yet a Jedi, but either chooses not to or doesn't care or, you know, whatever. So, if she went through Jedi training, she would be a Jedi, but... Well, yeah, because then she would she would be trained into how into learning how to project her own force ability. Okay, whatever you say, Rich. But but that isn't. And here's the thing: I'm not disagreeing with you, Rich. I'm mm-hmm. in fact very certain that you're correct. But that really is not spelled out in any way, shape, or form in the movie. Well, I mean, but as far as the audience knows, you know, no one knows at this point. You know, if we go back in time to 1977 and then now 1980 at Empire, no one knows anything about Leia other than she's the princess and she's the princess that got saved from the Death Star. And that's it. She's just some character that's just chilling. So no one knows anything about the lineage. And the only hint that you get is in Empire right when Luke leaves to, you know, quote unquote, not really betray, but disobey the, the teachings of Yoda and, and Obi-Wan to go and save his friends over in Bespin, you know, you, you get the Ben saying that boy is our only hope, which I think that's, that's a comment that I kind of like take umbrage with because I know of all the history, the back history of Obi-Wan Kenobi's character. But again, the prequel trilogies haven't happened yet either. So I'm giving them a pass on that. And then Yoda says, no, there's another. So Yoda knows, but Obi-Wan doesn't, but it doesn't make any sense because in the prequel trilogy, Obi-Wan's standing right at, in front of Padme when there she gives birth to the twins, but issues like that, but uh, yeah, but, I'll bring it up later. But you know, like you can't really do much when you're doing like revisionist history on a, on a, on a movie series that happened 30 years prior. Like it's it, it, like, even though you're the one that wrote the story, you know, oh. there's, there's things that need to, there's things that could have happened differently. And maybe in the re-specialized editions, those things, those particular things could have been addressed and yeah, people will probably like get all bent out of shape, just like Han shot first or whatever. But you know, in a specialized edition, in a specialized edition of that, that's where you that's where you put the fixes in, right? That's where you go, hey, this this scene was supposed to go this way. This character was supposed to say this thing at this time because of the knowledge that they had previous. And now that there's three movies worth of content that show why we needed to make this change, it makes sense, you know. But that none of that happened, so 
you know, in, in the actual special edition of Empire Strikes Back, I think the only thing that really got touched was graphics and, and the, and the, that's it. Like special, you know, special effects got a touch over, um, the score got a touch over a little bit and, you know, there were some extended scenes, uh, using like back footage that really didn't like add too much. Um, but you know, Empire was probably the, the one movie that was kept almost intact, um, as far as the special edition goes. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know with the the whole Luke, Luke Leia force sensitivity issue. Like, I don't really have a problem with it because, I mean, maybe it's because I saw them in order. Well, in 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 my head, what is the right order? The original trilogy first, and then the prequels. Um, and you don't find out anything about Leia, particularly like definitively, you don't find any anything out about Leia until the middle of Jedi, and that's I'm like, okay, well, no one knew. So, you know, then you can go back and go, well. You know, the kiss was really weird, but I mean, it didn't really make sense. Yeah, you know, like it. It made sense until you find out. Like, oh well, it's that's weird. So, you know, so there's that. But you know, I I find I just and I don't know whether this is sort of contemporary commentary influencing my opinion of a movie that's almost 40 years old, but like, I don't understand the, um, fascination. And there is a current fascination mm. with that sort of romantic brother, sister relationship. And the prime example I give is one of, um, modern, Cinema, television, cinema. I don't. I don't know whether they're the same thing. Television, cinema. You know, it sounds silly for me to parse words about this, but the um, Game of Thrones series, in which twins, much like Luke and Leia, um, are all over each other, and actually, the the progeny of the woman is actually fathered by her twin brother, and so like. It smacks of that, and it makes me like a little, ugh, you know what I mean? I don't know, and I don't yeah. know if they're the same thing. Well, if I if I had been the one writing this, and I had written, you know, A New Hope, and then I wrote Empire Strikes Back, when I was writing um, Return of the Jedi, that that connection, that sibling thing, would not have even entered my mind. I would have been like, yeah, no, that's not happening, just because again, they kiss. Right, it's him, and that just makes it icky. It right, and and that's where, yeah, but, but he, but she makes her choice though. Yeah, and like she, she takes that action to make Han jealous because she actually is into Han and not Luke. Yeah, but, but at the same time, they still smooched, and he was still fantasizing about her in A New Hope. Mm-hmm. That again, makes it icky. It just does. Yeah, I mean, I guess. But it's like it's like that thing where, you know, like it's hard to place yourself in the character's shoes. But you grow up your entire life, twenty years, not knowing that someone exists, and there's a thing there you, you don't know. You you can't just know, right? Like, I don't know. I think there's that, a point where it might not feel right. You know what I mean? There's maybe and maybe not. I'm not taking issue. I'm not taking issue with any of their personal characters here. I'm not blaming any of them. I'm right. blaming the writers. Right. Simple as right. that. I agree. I, I think it's I a... Think they both have brothers, so to us, it's 
especially like, oh my word, what the heck? Yeah, and and there's a way to. Well, a she didn't have to kiss him, so that there's that. I mean, it wasn't well, necessary. It wasn't a driving force to the story. Right. She could have flirted with him, right. or whatever. She didn't have to like lay a big old smooch on him. I'm I'm willing to say that maybe at that point in the story writing, you know, they didn't Lucas and his co-writers didn't know what was going to happen in Return of the Jedi. I'm fine. I'm fine saying that. I'm just saying right. if if that's true, then by the time you get to writing Return of the Jedi, the whole brother sister angle should not be considered. Uh, yeah, at all. Right. I agree. I think that that's not something that is you, you don't go there, and yeah. and, and I think it has in many ways influenced the current trend of that behavior to a, to a large degree. I think that um, what's his name of game of Thrones was heavily influenced by what, history. George, George Martin. Yeah. George Martin and the star Wars. Cause that, that is, he, I think he cites that as one of the influences in creating the relationship between the Lannister twins that, huh? Yeah. Well, and, that's- Weird and well, gross. Twister all around. So. Yes, that's true. Yeah, and everybody dies. So can't can't watch it because everybody dies. I can't watch it because honestly, I think that it is really shoddy writing to write as much um, as much violence and swearing and violence specifically against women as he does mm. I, shoddy writing it's so flippin' easy to write that kind of thing and i can't respect anyone who employs it as much as he does i mean, think if you look at the progression of television and movies and all of that like not to sound prudish because but i am um <laughs> things you know the the slippery slope you know is somewhat is dangerous because I think that in the in the forty years since these movies came out, you have a a harmless, albeit gross, kiss between brother and sister, and forty years later on HBO, you get brother and sisters banging in the tower room of a castle, and you know it's where where do we go from here? You know what I mean? Well, I mean. Hopefully you don't have like recross pollination and you don't get episode eight full of like all sorts of crazy incest. That's what I, that's that's what I'm hoping because I don't want any part of that in my Star Wars. I'm sorry. Although yeah. that would still be more interesting and possibly even acceptable than the the first three movies. Yeah. In the first three movies, I obviously don't mean the original trilogy. Right, you're talking about the prequels. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That Jeanette watched in two hours and owes us much. She wants her life back, <laughs> folks. Well, hey, well, we we can we can talk all about that on was it Wednesday? I guess Wednesday. Yeah, yeah. Wednesday. We anticipate that being our shortest podcast yet, folks. Yep. There you so. go. Unless we go off on crazy tangents about you know incest, so there's uh, that. There's <laughs> that. Um, let's talk about Lando for for a minute or two, sure. and, um, and then and then can we get on to the topic that uh, I know everyone is going to hate me. Because let's face it, probably it's mostly guys listening to this, and guys all love Yoda, so they do. That's okay. true. Lando first. Lando uh. first. Okay, so Lando, which I honestly didn't remember. He's Hans Bro, and 
And the original owner of the Millennium Falcon. And the original, that Han won fair and square, according to Han. But if you believe anything that comes out of that man's mouth, I don't know. It's circumspect. But um, the, the selling out of your bro to Vader, who then... Tortures your bro. Tortures your bro and sticks him in carbonite, which they're, <laughs> he may or may not survive, FYI, mm-hmm. um, to sell him to a bounty hunter who's going to then bring him to Jabba the Hutt. Yeah, that was... Mm, good job, bro. Good job. <laughs> so my question to you is, is he stupid or just, like... You had choices along the way. And every time there was a new sort of presentation of the quote unquote deal he makes with Vader, Vader goes back on it. Like you you can't you can't expect that this man in a mask is really going to uphold his side of the bargain. You can't do it. Like that's just why would you ever make a deal with him in the first place? I mean, it really is a deal with the devil. Yeah. In Lando's defense, though, I would say originally he was caught between kind of a rock and a hard place because, let's face it, saying no to Darth Vader kind of means you're going to die. Um, and then Darth Vader's going to do whatever the heck he wants anyway. So there's that. But at the same time, Lando could have been like, hey, you know, wink, wink, guess what? Darth Vader's here at some point. He, yeah. Yeah. Like, and that's what he should have done. Either he's stupid, which... Mm-hmm. I mean, given, yeah, I don't, I don't know about that. Uh, I don't know what his IQ is, folks, but um, <laughs> he did lose the Millennium Falcon to Han, so there's that. Um, but either he's stupid or he's completely and utterly lacks common sense. And I just find that either way kind of preposterous. Like Han's not going to be friends with somebody who's stupid or someone who lacks common sense, they have a common, like, ground because Lando may be an upstanding citizen now and the the mayor of the city or whatever, whatever sort of position he holds. But at some point, he's got some sordid past. And why, why wouldn't you come up with a plan? Because you, you can't trust Vader. Why would you ever trust Vader? Like... He went back, he took, you know, he went back to these on every single deal he made, you know, and nobody's going to enforce the plan that they, I don't know, the plan that he came up with because he's Vader and he's kind of scary and there are stormtroopers everywhere. And and he has his own theme music. And he has his own theme music. Agreed. Yeah. I mean, I just think. Well, I mean, yeah, well, you're speaking about like, you know, like it. In uh, in write in writing terms, you know, wouldn't you write that scene? I mean, it's it's like what five minutes of screen time. Wouldn't you write the scene where right after you see the slave one started to follow the Millennium Falcon, you see some kind of Imperial shuttle or Vader himself or somebody show up on Besman because you know Boba Fett should have been able to track, you know, what, where they were going, you know, like known trajectory. Oh, he's heading to Bespin. Maybe he jumps to hyperspace and makes the call. 
maybe he makes the initial threat or whatever, but I'm sure he, he would need Imperial help. You'd have like some kind of scene where the Imperial show, show up, Vader, you know, mm-hmm. goes, you're going to do this, or bad things are going to happen. Maybe Lando puts up, you know, puts up a little bit of muscle at first, and he goes, yeah, like what? What are you going to do to me, old man? And then maybe he gets force choked or something, and he's like, oh, okay, okay. You know, I mean, he always fears that, like, you know, like, just no matter what, he can be gotten no matter where he is in, in Cloud City. Because we've already seen examples of Vader for, for choking people from, like, ship to ship or something. So, you know, it's it's obvious that this guy has, like, some pretty severe powers um, and is not to be trifled with. So you, you put him in a, in a position where he's so fearful for his own life and his own, you know, the own well, you know, the well-being of the citizens that he does make dumb decisions like this. But yeah, without any of that context, it really does look like, you know, Lando just was like, hey, buddy, uh, you know, like, turn around real quick so I can shove that knife right in there. You know, and that's like, you know, it's like he was waiting for it. It's, and, it's crazy. And it's, I think, I, I would agree, like, you, there are aspects of all of these, and up to and including The Force Awakens, in which um, five or ten or twelve minutes would have served the story much more effectively than not having it in. And I think that I, I get frustrated with a story that's not told well. And not that these are bad movies and, you know, like obviously A New Hope had the highest rating of any movie we've ever rated but um well it's the one that i i personally have the le- the least amount of problems with as far as storytelling right. goes but i feel like like do your job as a writer and write a good story and when there are when when you're reviewing this when you're looking at this when you see the big picture when the whole thing goes together and you look at this because there are many, many storytellers in cinema. Let's face it, you know, there's your director, there's your editor, there's your this, there's your that. But ultimately, it comes down to are you collectively telling the best story you possibly can? And I think that there are weak weaknesses in this that don't exist in maybe A New Hope. I, You know, I just, I feel as though this this story could have been better served with more Less explosions, because the beginning of the movie is Luke's in danger, Han saves him, everybody runs because they're being chased by the Imperial soldiers and the stormtroopers, and everybody's getting shot at, and not everybody makes it. Because they they find out where they are. Right. But less battle, more story. That's what I got for you. Actually, I am so thankful that you brought that up because I knew I was going to forget stuff because that's what I do. I have no memory whatsoever. Um, but in the very beginning, the, the explanation, you know, the, mm-hmm. in the galaxy far, far away part, um, I don't think that was very well put together. Yeah. Considering, considering how, you know, final the battle against the Death Star felt at the end of A New Hope, and then all of a sudden, no, the rebels are on the run, and it's really dire. And I'm like, why? Right. And and my question to Rich when we were starting out this movie, because he's the apocalyptic fanboy in this series, was why 
is it that how does Vader know who Luke is? He didn't know at the end of A New Hope who Luke was. And now all of a sudden he does. And when did that switch flip? And now he's chasing his own son because he's the force is strong with him. And Ben trained him and the whole thing. And maybe that's where he got t- triggered. Like mm-hmm. he got the, the, the knowledge of who Luke was given the fact that he was with Ben maybe triggered something, but that's never explained. And that's the first sort of plot hole that I, I encounter. They're chasing the rebels. The Imperial soldiers are chasing the rebels, but because Luke is with them, but how do you know, how do they know who Luke is? Like, it doesn't that to fill a lot of holes, right? Yeah, I mean, they're fillable. I'm not saying they're not, but that should be what the audience is left doing. Correct, and audience's job. No, mm-hmm. and and so maybe we're being, and you can tell us, folks, that we're being Jeanette and I are being nitpicky, and you know, to just deal with the story the way the story is. And I will, I will concede to the fact that sometimes I am nitpicky. It just. It just happens. It's in my nature to pull things apart, to tease things out, to really dissect them. But I have issues with this movie. Writers. What's that? It's because we were both English majors and now we're writers. Yeah. But I, I think that when you're telling a story, it's your job throughout the process to see where the holes are and fill them. Yeah. And and to do a good job because a story's not done. You're not writing it and then done. And and this was wait so a new hope came out in 1977. Yep. It was a, a a sleeper success. Like people did not expect it to be the success Correct. that it was. So was there a huge like once people realized it was going to be a massive success or it was a massive success mm-hmm. was there like a rush to get this movie out? Is that what happened? Well, the studio what the studio came to Lucas and was like, "Hey, you know, this was awesome. Like how about some more? You got some more?" And he's like, "Yeah, actually, I've got a lot more to tell." He's like, all right, what do you want to tell next? I was like, oh, I got the story. Okay, cool. And then they funded it. You know, like um, a lot of the mo- a lot of the money that um, I think they they might have split Empire, uh, Lucas and and Fox, because Lucas had a lot of money from all the residuals that he got from the ultimate business decision of all time, um, and he used that to to fund to fund this movie and then create new special effects and stuff like that. But it took him three years to get it out. I just don't. I just don't know that the time was as well spent as it could have been. You know, three years is a long time in movie making, and maybe in the eighties it wasn't as long as it is now. Because you go three years without a, a follow up, and people start to get pissed off. <laughs> let's face it. But well, and also, like you can you can write a whole entire book, and I don't know anything about script writing, admittedly, but I would imagine it's a lot. It's on par when it comes to like time taken. You can write a whole entire book in two months, three months tops, especially right. if you're completely and totally passionate about it, mm-hmm. and that's what you're getting paid to do. Right. So, so I don't, I don't see how it couldn't have been written and then edited at, within a year, easy. Yeah, and I think that, I, I, I think that if it were now, I'd say the money outweighed the the want of storytelling, but I'm not sure that the, or the, the fuel, the money, the want for money outfueled the want for storytelling, but I'm not sure that that's the case. I just feel like this, this in particular movie compared to the other two stories that we get 
is subpar because there are so many things that are that could have been done better. And that's really what it is. It's like I want I just wanted it to be better. Well, here's the thing. I will flat out say, like, I still enjoyed it. I still found it entertaining. I would still give it a four. But there there does seem like a lot more to nitpick on this one. Yeah. And, you know, and and I know Rich brought up in our last episode that you ask people on the street, what's the best Star Wars movie? And overwhelmingly, they say uh, The Return of the Jedi. And then Empire. Empire, This one? This one. This is the one. Why? I don't know. My favorite, my favorite Star Wars movie is A New Hope. We've already established this, so I have no idea why everyone loves Empire, but and everyone loves Empire. Why? Liked Return of the Jedi best. That was my favorite. I don't understand. I don't either. Well, it's... I thought, I thought, you know, it. I thought for sure, if anyone was going to appreciate the middle, like the dark middle chapter, it was going to be you because you loved, you loved Two Towers above. Fellowship and, and Return of the King in the Lord of the Rings trilogy. But it's a great story. The Two Towers is a great story. You get you get the explanation for things. Things are fleshed out. I I overwhelmingly love that movie above. I could sit and watch that movie more times than I would care to admit. Five hundred times, maybe. It's possible. Um, <laughs> we're not going to try that. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but I think it it was terrifically told, and in many ways, it's a it's a story that has some redemption in it. You know, you get that dark middle chapter, but you also get some of the light of the end of the tale as well. There there yeah. are foreshadowings of it. Sure, there you know, and and you get the the battle victories, and you get the things that that make a story great in my opinion. You know, there there are epic battles, but there are also victories and you know it's not the end of the movie, but it's foreshadowing the end of the movie. Right. This is just sort of feels like how do you how do you come back from this? Like Vader has holds all the cards. He's got the rebel forces by the nads. Like where do you go from here? Well, and but you have you must know. <sighs> like that's the thing. I think that's the, that was what the draw was. For all these audiences that, that love Empire, it's just like you watch for two two hours. You know, basically the the rebel forces. You know, for lack of a better term, getting kicked in the nuts over and over and over again. Right. You know, they lost on Hoth. They're losing on Bespin. You know, Luke's being whiny and doesn't finish his training and and loses his right hand to the 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 big bad and then finds out that the big bad is actually his father. And then it's like, what, what, you know, Luke, you know, Han's gone, you know, who knows if he's coming back, what, and then the the movie ends, it's it, that's right. it, that's it, you know, that, that you, is Empire in like five seconds, it's just like. How do you come back from that? Like, that, there's that, you know, you get that little taste of I'll meet you on, on, um, whatchamacallit? On Tatooine. Tatooine. Yep, because they're already starting like the plans right. for the rescue of Han Solo. Right. And you're like, okay, well. It's going to start with the rescue of Han Solo, of course. Right. But what's going to go? What's going to go on from there? And and so you get that, but but there's no there's no like foreshadowing of this these great moments. There's no there's no feeling like oh maybe the evil is not as um I'm 
impossible to defeat. Like, and at, in the two towers, you get that. You get the you get the sense that maybe, maybe this is just possible. Like, I love an underdog story. Who I, I don't know anyone who doesn't love an underdog story, but you get this in the in the two towers. You have these very underwhelming underdog characters and you get the sense that maybe it's not not all is lost and in fact they say it in the movie you know right um well and at the end of two towers it's it's you know there's ancient forces that are being awakened from their slumber because they've been ignoring everything that's happening around them right and then they finally decide to act because they find out that some of their own have been affected right which is a giant analogy to the united states in world war ii but that's well that that's exactly that's that was exactly J.R.R. Tolkien's point and and another right another podcast that Jeanette will not be a part of altogether right. <laughs> <laughs> I loved reading The Hobbit that that's all I'm gonna say yeah. so so but but at, at any rate yeah you're right though like there isn't that there isn't that aha moment and you know it, like and you know maybe fanboys can draw it out like you know you know, Vader was really trying to 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 pull Luke in, yeah, to be on the dark side. To then, you know, like, and what his eyes are is to really, actually, truly bring balance to the Force, the but the wrong side. You know, like, right? But you know, in that sense, he doesn't believe in a right side or a wrong side anymore. He's just like, well, you know, I can, we can do this, and we can just, you know, we'll set it, and it'll be, you know, a regime, and you know. See, not people, under people might not like it, but we've got the force, so who cares? Does he not understand that you know power by fear and intimidation, and peace by fear and intimidation is not peace? It's just well, not anymore. He's seduced. He's he has the power. He has it all. He has got everything he needs, and now he wants his son to, to do it with him. It's control. It's not. Yeah. It's not power. That's control and. I mean, maybe some there's some power and control, but that's ultimately not what you what you should aspire for. Right, of course. Bonds are son bonding. What is your problem? (laughs) (laughs) I already told you I have daddy issues. Come on. You know, but but still, but still, like you know, in in Vader's mind, it's all about you know, like you know, there is he at that point there is no redemption for him. He has lost everything that he has ever cared for in his life. And then he finally finds out that there's something else that he might not be able to actually care for or care with or whatever, but, you know, he could bring him into the fold and then he, he could be one of us and then that'd be cool, you know, and then we get rid of the emperor and then it'd be just you and me and like, we're be buddies forever. Until yeah. I force choke you? Well, until, no, because in, in the Sith, in the Sith rule, it's until Luke has a progeny of his own and kills Vader because <laughs> that's how the Sith roll. Fair. Because it's the rule of two. A master and an apprentice and eventually the apprentice kills the master and then gets a new apprentice. Nice. That's, that's how the Sith roll. Wait a minute. Then why in the world was the Emperor so... Oh my word. Okay, we'll we'll discuss that later. We'll discuss that on Friday. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yep. That just made so many more questions for me. Then why is the Emperor so interested in getting Luke to come to the dark side? Yeah, he already has a very loyal and willing little sidekick there in Darth Vader. So mm-hmm. why does he want to change up a good thing? Because he's stupid? Which I already think he is, just for the record. Well, who, in the world, who in the world taunts someone that they're trying to 
to like convert by saying, oh yeah, you're going to convert any second, even though like he's completely and totally unwilling to convert. That's a great way to tempt him. Sure. Keep saying it five billion times over, stupid. Okay, I'm done. Wow. <laughs> I mean, we can talk about the prequel trilogy a little bit too when we get there, about how Anakin just decides to do what he does. But, you know, yeah. it's crazy. But, um, but you know, and then also bring that up again when we talk about the prequels. So not yeah. even when we get to Jedi. When we talk about the prequels, I'll tell you all about Palpatine's motivations for wanting to be struck down by somebody who is supposed to be his apprentice. Because he's got some he's got some serious master issues of him, of his own. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, but you you want to talk about Yoda? Yes. Yeah. Talk about Yoda, Yoda. You want <laughs> <laughs> throughout throughout my my however many years now of knowing about Star Wars and discussing it with people, I don't think I've ever found a guy that did not like Yoda. Like they just think Yoda is the best thing. You don't like Yoda? That's me. Are you serious? <laughs> oh my serious. word! Okay, okay. I might have forgiven you a little bit for uh, for making me watch the the prequels. Just <laughs> nice. Okay. In that case, I have only ever met one guy <laughs> who does not like Yoda. I and now this time around, watching it as an adult, I was expecting to be utterly pained watching the scenes between Yoda and Luke because I think that Luke is whiny and I think that Yoda is stupid. <laughs> And it wasn't as bad as I was expecting, which was a very, very pleasant surprise. But I still don't understand why in the world he is considered such a wise teacher when when he's not. He's kind of a bumbling idiot, or that's how he comes across when you first meet him. Well, and then he gets all irritated with Luke for being irritated with him when he was acting irritating. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and, and I have to say... He sort of reminds me of Kermit the Frog. Yeah, and he sounds like Grover. Is that the same voice? <laughs> Probably. It's Frank Oz, so. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. So it's Grover? I, I, I don't know. know. I don't know who I don't know who Frank Oz is in Sesame Street, but Frank Oz is the voice of Yoda. I mean, it is the same exact voice. The same exact one. There is no different inflections. There is no different tone. It's the same exact voice. That's true. I, I would... I would be very surprised if it was not the same person. Because, uh, well, even though technically Yoda is not a Henson character, he came out of the Henson workshop, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. I'm almost positive that he did. <clears throat> but, all right, so, yeah, so to clarify, because, you know, before I get... um Yes. Yes? Yes. A little creativity in coming up with a slightly different voice than that Yeah, kid. Frank Oz... Until two two thousand one, voice Grover. There we go. There we I rest my case. <laughs> so, um, and actually, there's a YouTube video that says Frank Oz can only do one voice for Grover and Yoda. There we. Thank you, thank you, whoever came up with that YouTube video. There so, we go. There we are. There we go. Jeanette so, is proven correct. Woohoo! And maybe that's why they make Yoda use the force you must to make him not sound like Grover. His grammar is appalling. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know. I've heard explanation is like that's what that's how they that's how his alien race of I don't even know what Yoda is. Nobody knows. You know, like but. There has to be more. There has to be more of them. He came from a planet where there was more of him. Yeah. 
There has to be. He came from a planet of Muppets. (laughs) Yes. So, but anyway, you know, maybe Yoda's the last of his kind or whatever, but here's my problem. And, and my problem is again with, it might not be an issue for people that are watching just, just a new hope and then empire and then Jedi. Cause you haven't seen Yoda like the, the other Yoda yet from the clone wars. But how senile did this character get in the last 30 years? You know, when you see him in the prequel trilogy, he is wise. He is pretty badass, And he like, you know, maybe he gets wounded, and that's why he like bumps his head too many times fighting Palpatine in the in the chamber at the end of Revenge of the Sith. I don't know, but how does that happen? Like you are, you go away after you settle everything and you make sure that the twins are going to be okay. Obi Wan goes and is is instructed to watch over Luke. Um, you know, he hooks up, he hooks up Leia with with uh, Senator Organa. And then he bounces. He's going to Dagobah, and he's he doesn't talk to anyone for a long, long time. You know, I don't know if that happens. That that's what happens. You're like your mind just starts deteriorating in a swamp. I don't know, but it, like it seems Possible. really weird that you know you're right. Yeah, this Jedi Master is you know like such a you know like small like you know annoying character. I, I know why he's written that way. He's written to surprise the audience, right? You know, because you don't expect this this you know, this tiny little Muppet character um, to then display such enormous power or being one with the force at the end, you know, so you can have that impactful moment and say, hey, Luke, you know, it doesn't matter who you are or what you do or how, how you know, troubled you think everything is, as long as you just focus and try, you can make anything happen, you know, which is the, like, your, your moral moment, right? That comes out of that movie, so I was like, okay, I get that, but watching it now, knowing everything, like I can't unwatch it, I can't yeah. unlearn what I've learned, you know, <laughs> about Yoda, and then continue to like the character as he is in Empire and Jedi. I just can't do it. Like I just, it's because I don't think they're the same character anymore, and you know, and it's because of Lucas, the original writer, that did that. You know, like he should have either explained at the end of Revenge of the Sith, like something happened to Yoda and now he's just like some senile, crazy Jedi. Like, I don't know. Something I mean, needed he, to happen. He but, totally is. But it, like he, he's like an old man. Like, yeah. The, you know, like he's like Jackie. He is like Jackie. Completely daft. Like, yeah. Daft and, you know, and focuses enough to pass on some limited knowledge and, you know, and, and yeah, like. He gets on on Luke's back and he's like training him on all the ways of controlling the force so he can like jump through, jump through the air at like you know Superman like like leaps and stuff like that, um, which is kind of cool, um, but you know in in the end his his character doesn't like it, it doesn't jive with with the other half of what you know about him when you watch the prequels, um, well, and maybe I, that's my disconnect. Even without watching the prequels, like. His character never inspired me. No, no. Um, he's not. He's not that. Like your Force Ghost sent you to Digabah to uh, to learn from a Jedi Master, and you meet crazy weird Muppet in a swamp, and then you're supposed to like learn from him after he basically like teases you for twenty minutes. Or well, it's not just teasing. Okay, so maybe that was some I don't know weird 
Jedi mind trick. Who knows? But but then he complains about how, no, I don't want to teach him. He's too young. He's too foolish. He's too hot-headed, blah, 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 for like five whole minutes where Obi-Wan is arguing with him. Uh, come on, we kind of need him. If, right. if he's so in tune with the Force, then he should, number one, already know that they need Luke. And number two, grow up already and just start training him. Right. Mm. And, and, like, you can't like you can't have it both ways old old crazy muppet like you just can't <laughs> right i mean the only the only hesitation that can be explained would be to ruin the eventual reveal um at that moment because you could you could argue that yoda's fear or reluctance to train luke is because he or he already senses that that um that ability to like succumb to the 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 dark side um and doesn't quite know whether or not Luke's capable of handling resisting it or not knowing what he's going to have to face but here's the other question so old crazy muppet doesn't want to train him cuz he's too whatever but why not just suck it up and he and Obi-Wan break the news to him that Darth Vader's his father? That would create completely, completely negate their fears. Why why hesitate telling him the truth? I don't get it. It doesn't make sense to me. You want this kid to do you want him to use the force for good. You want him to defeat the ultimate evil. So be honest. Like it Well, I think I think the reason why they did it the other way is because you know, now you have that moment where, you know, Luke's going to have that confrontation with with Ben. And then he's like, what? Why didn't you tell me? And then and then he's going to have the confrontation with Yoda. And he'd be like, well, what? You know, like this is this is crazy. I know I'm going to have to face him again. You know, like is there is there has to be another way. And then Yoda's going to go, no. And then he's going to go, well, I think they're so good in him. And Yoda's, Yoda's going to be like, well, he's probably too far gone. And he's like, whatever, I'm going to try anyway. And then, you know, he, he'll, he, Luke eventually fulfills his actual destiny. Like when we get to talking about Jedi, you know, and in, and in turn allows Anakin to fulfill his destiny, albeit way, way, way too late. But, all of that could have happened had they been truthful with him without the whiny baby crap. Yeah, but I don't and think cinematic perspective it makes sense, but from a character perspective it does not. Right. No, you're you're absolutely right, but you don't get that moment. You know, with with you know like no one remembers the conversation on Dagobah where Ghost Obi-Wan and Yoda tell Luke that Vader is his father. They understand and remember and get imprinted into their subconscious the image of the big evil bad guy with his outstretched hand going, I am your father. Uh-huh. Like that's, that's why they did it. I also mm. love, cause I, I, you know, so much of this is iconic. And, and one of the most iconic moments is that moment where Luke finds out that Vader tells him, I am your father. Um, but no! you get, the, <laughs> you get the, <sighs> Uh, Luke, I am your father. And that's actually not how it goes. I, I have to, I, I'm going to be a stickler about this. If you're going to quote a movie, quote it right. That's not how it goes. I right. know, I know, it's true. And yeah. and it has been he so... He told me enough, he told me you killed him. Yeah. 
No, I am your father. Mm. No, that's not true. That's impossible. Search your fear and lose it. You know it to be true. No. (laughs) Join me and together we'll rule the galaxy as father and son. Mm. Luke's reply is, jump off the fucking bridge. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. That's what happens. But I have to just point out something really, really trivial and really bratty mean. But Luke, that is that is not his finest moment there. Like looks wise, he looks really lame. That's true. And and it's pretty evident that he just pulled his his arm into his sleeve. His sleeve is just longer on one side than it is on the other. Also, I will I will give that to you know the time that the movie was made. I'm not going to nitpick that one. But no. I I have to say I think they probably could have done better. I'm just I'm just put, throwing that out there. Feel free to disagree. Well, all right. And now that we're talking about that particular moment, just for some more foreshadowing, when we get to the conversations next weekend, uh-huh. I want to know, as of the middle of episode eight, what happened to that saber. That's what I want to know. It has to be explained to me at some point. I need to see it on screen. Why is that saber not at the bottom of Besman? It's fair. Does Luke never get it back? No. He makes a new one. Oh. And and uh, and you can tell I've paid so close in, attention in to Jedi this they have a confrontation, the father and son confrontation on Endor. Vader uh-huh. goes down and sees him. Yeah, yeah. And then takes him up to the Emperor. Uh-huh. At that point when he turns over his weapons, Luke turns over his, his lightsaber and hands it to Vader. And he's like, oh, you've made your own lightsaber. Your training is complete. Where in that movie, you hear the word complete like 17 times. It should be a drinking <laughs> you, game. You hear a lot of things 17 times. So, um, but for some odd reason, like the thing that, that just sticks in my head is that word. The word complete is, so, is said so many times in Return of the Jedi. It's like, why? Couldn't you think of a different word? <laughs> Like another, uh, any any other word. <laughs> any other word. Like, you sound like me and Jeanette. <laughs> stop, stop saying complete over and over again. <laughs> totally sound like me and Jeanette. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, so he has another saber because he made it. Because he lost the one when he got his hand chopped off in, in Besman. But in The Force Awakens, it winds up and that, it winds up in that, that, uh, that, what, chest or whatever mm-hmm. that Ray opens yeah. Um, on the uh, on the island with the weird alien with the giant. Oh wait, that bones. wasn't his second lightsaber. That was his no. first. Well, that's Anakin's saber. That's An- Anakin Skywalker's An- An- saber. Anakin Skywalker's saber is the one that Luke begins his training with. Correct. Oh, because it's given to him by Obi Wan because Obi Wan takes it after he chops off Anakin's arm and both legs. Oh, that's real. Okay, yeah, that's that's a little problematic. Yeah. So we know how Ben gets it to give it to Obi-Wan, or uh-huh. to, go, to give it to Luke, and Luke loses it on Bespin. How the hell does it get up into that collection? How? Like, somebody, got, somebody gets it. And that's like, you know, like, I mean, I guess it's not really critical, but it's important to me because I'm a super fan. And I go, well, it just doesn't magically appear in this box. Someone put it there. Like, who got the saber? Yeah, you I know? agree. It's another hole that that it it could be told and it could be told well and easily even, but mm-hmm. it needs to be told. Otherwise, it's kind of nagging at the back of your brain. Yep. So I mean, hopefully we find out. Hopefully they explain it somehow. I don't know. 
I mean, hey, include some deleted scenes in, from for the Force Awakens Blu-ray and tell that story there. I don't care. As long as it's somewhere. No, no. See, now, now I'm going to be nitpicky again. Don't say, you can tell it in the deleted scenes. No, if you bring up, this is a very valid point, then tell it in the damn story. All right. I agree. And okay. also, I'm not quite uh, done nitpicking Yoda, just for the record. Oh, oh okay, cool. Let us, let yeah. us commence. Yeah. My, my final and possibly most critical complaint against Yoda, and to some degree Obi-Wan also, is that while they're training Luke, they really make the Force, like the, the light side of the Force, um, being a Jedi and everything, kind of sound like a cult. <laughs> Think, just trust your feelings. I mean, isn't that what cult leaders say? Don't think about it too hard because otherwise you're going to find all the holes. Yoda flat out tells Luke, stop thinking about it. Just feel. (laughs) No, that's not how it works. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. I think it's funny because I always forget that this particular... um, The, the idea of the force is, and Han brings it up actually, not anyone else, that this is a religion. Like it's not a, it's not, I mean, if, if you look at Harry Potter or, or something else that believes in magic, we'll, we'll go with magic because I don't have anything, anything else to sort of compare it to. Those are not religions. They're, they're things to be educated in. It's a knowledge base, right? But you're right that they, that they, proclaim this as a religion like Hans like I don't believe in crazy religions with like weird magic you know and it's true and that's what cult leader you're right that's what cult, exactly what cult leaders propagate is this idea that you can be magic just don't think yeah just right. feel and I mean and I'm not trying to knock religion I can I can argue my religious beliefs I believe from a logical perspective but I again use logic, my brain, and yes, feelings are important too. But it should be a healthy mix between the two. You don't just completely ignore one for the other. Yeah, yeah. Like I, I think just using your brain and not your emotions can get you into trouble. Also, you have both for a reason, so use them. Right, I agree. That's interesting that you bring that up because I, it never, I've never thought about it up until this moment, and and watching the movies now as an adult as them this this jedi thing as being a religion that these people are like their priests you know or or their guides or their whatever shamans we'll go with shamans because i like saying it uh, <laughs> but you know you're right it is very cultish in many ways um and the origin story of the religion of the jedis is weird and freaky and and i don't know if we get a lot of that in uh in the prequel in the machete in the phantom meta do we get do we get yeah we do i I don't know i haven't seen it i i haven't seen the phantom meta i know in the in um in oh god what's it called what pregnancy brain the first one the, the Phantom Menace. The, thank you. In the Phantom Menace, that Obi Wan like analyzes Anakin's blood for like yeah, the bacteria, mi- the midichlorians, yeah, which don't exist technically anymore. 
even no. though they exist. Even though they're technically a thing, I don't think they're ever going to be addressed again, ever. No, it's just right. going to be... Because because basically, then, you know, like, it explains away the Force to, like, actually the Force is a living thing. And whether or not you are attuned to attracting the, the living thing more than somebody else means that you are more or less powerful in the Force. Is how is how is it re-explained by Lucas? Because people were trying to like, you know, like oh well, it's just magic. It's like well, actually, I I always thought about it as a, a being, like an actual, like an actual like living thing. Um, and he explains it by introducing the midichlorians, which all the fans like lit him on fire for. But in in that sense, you know. It goes to it goes to explaining like why why Yoda when explaining you know the reason why the Force surrounds and binds and ties the universe together he he says specifically luminous beings though like not not this crude matter and he touches Luke's skin he's like not you know this this is not what matters the skin is not what matters the bones are not what matters it's the the energy it's the the you know. It's it's the the uh, the surrounding body that that matters the most, and and cult. it's right, <laughs> you know, and and it's actually like you know to go even further, you know, like the the transcendence to having your being be embodied by the force is the truest of power, which is the reason why Obi Wan says, "If you strike me down, I'll become more powerful than you could possibly imagine," because he will then be exactly what you and as I guess aspire to be is to be completely one with the force because again back in the prequels you don't get this in the machete order or even really explained in Phantom Menace but Qui-Gon is the first Jedi his first master which an- another thing I take umbrage with because Obi-Wan says Yoda was the, the Jedi who trained him yeah. it wasn't it was Qui-Gon because Qui-Gon was his master yeah. but, but Qui-Gon was the first Jedi to actually attain like true like transcendence, force, uh, tr- uh, transcendence and become the, the you know the first force ghost let's say um, that's what I call them yeah so it might be because that's what Sheldon Cooper called them. I think so <laughs> that's awesome but but, uh, but anyway <clears throat> you know that's that's how that's how that works but I mean in the grand scheme of things as far as as far as Yoda goes like you know, even even watching Empire the first time, it's part of the reason why I didn't really like uh, Empire that much was because I I thought most of the Yoda stuff kind of like you know like slowed everything slowed everything down a little bit too much mm-hmm. and filled it with like stuff that it was like okay yeah I, I get why you need to do this but you know I almost I almost wanted like you know like all right can't you have that scene where you meet and you do this thing and. Yeah, maybe there's an argument, and then you get the Rocky montage, and then you're out of yeah, here. Yeah, can't we get a like, montage? <laughs> you know, like you know, but but uh, you know, uh, you know, I'm sure I'm gonna get lit on fire for that one too. But you know, I, I don't I, know. I love it's a just, montage. You know, it's just you know, it's one of those things where I get why it needs to be there, and watching it more, I can understand it more. But I don't know. Mm-hmm. I still don't. Vote for montage. I still don't. I, I mean, I still don't really need a lot of a lot of Yoda. Yeah. You know. Just cut him out. Just cut him out. Yeah. Just, just, just goodbye. 
I mean, yeah. really, I think it would have been better if he had gone to, what the heck is the planet's name again? Digaba. Digaba, thank you. If he had gone there, and instead of finding Yoda, he had found Ben. Now, that would have made me, right. as a viewer and as a writer, a lot more impressed. Right. Force ghost or not. See how Ben might have become more powerful. Right. And you get Ben sort of at the end when he's taking off from Digaba as a force ghost. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You you get him there and, and hanging out but with Yoda. They'll maintain both he and Yoda are wrong, and therefore that that taints their reputation. Greatness. And my and yeah, and their credence. Yeah, thank you. Really, mm-hmm. it does. Yeah. I no longer have as much faith in them and their ability in the force force because they were just wrong. Well, and in the prequel trilogy, they were wrong again. Or yeah. for the first time, yeah, you know, yeah. Well, well, for the first time, yeah. But you know, when when you get when you get to that point when we're when we're starting to talk about that, it's just like, man, do I have extreme umbrage with most of the writing of that movie, <laughs> well, that movie series, and and like just you almost want to beat Yoda senseless because it's just like, how do you not know? Like, how do you not know? But anyway, we'll get to that later. Yeah. Um, but. <clears throat> I don't know. I mean, where do you think we would land um, getting into that? Where do you think we would land, like, score-wise? Jeanette already gave her score. Yeah, oh. I, I still, again, I find it, I found it a lot more enjoyable than I did in the past, so I'll still give it a four. I'm fine with that. Yeah. I don't know. 3.75. Yeah? Yeah. All right. Well, I mean, I like Star Wars a lot, so <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm pretty high on that. But I probably give I probably give it a four two five on that. Okay. Okay, so, so average four then. Yeah, an average four. Yeah. Yeah. I mean that's that's not a bad score. Let's face nope, it. No, not at all. Not at all. It's a great movie. I mean, it's, especially it's still especially, entertaining, especially given like the the amount of sort of um, flaws we found with it. You know, I don't know that we've ever given a movie this high a score, given it, it the amount of things that we've talked about that were not positive. Yeah, 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 totally. Yeah. I mean, I don't really know if we mentioned very many positive things at all. <laughs> well, but overall, it was still entertaining, and that's that's what a movie is about. Well, I think I think the cool thing is the um. What you're you're trying to do the Imperial Mines, yeah, but it just didn't work out. <laughs> it just doesn't work out when I try and do these. But this is why we don't. We don't play humming games with Danae. She was cute attempt today. It was adorable. <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, as far as like positive things go, like I mean, the I think that I think I think most of the most of the pacing was okay in that movie. Yeah. You know, um I do it, think there were a lot of really awesome moments, you know, that, that you that you get. Like I loved um I love the asteroid field chase with the Falcon. That was awesome. Um, you know, you get the lightsaber battle and the confrontation, you know, uh, of of Vader and Luke. That's awesome. You know, like, and the reveal, the reveals, the real, you know, the re- reveal of course is like you know, like a pinnacle moment, a pinnacle moment. And then you get, um, you know, even the stuff on Hoth. Um, although, yeah, it does kind of feel out of place because why are they on the run after they just blew up the Death Star? But even the Hoth stuff was kind of cool. Yeah. You know, you and you get and you get to feel like immediate danger right early in the movie. You're like, wow, I guess the Empire really is still strong, even though they don't have this 
giant thing that's going to destroy a planet. I I definitely remember the Hoth scene going differently, though. I thought it was Han and Luke out in the middle of nowhere because they were in exile or something. Like I I I was totally like not understanding what was happening, and I, and like at first I was like, this is not at all how I remember this going. <laughs> um, but you know, that's also I haven't seen these since I was probably five or six years old so there is that i mean it's kind of cool too that like they had like so many different places to go Uh it's not like all right cool here's empire strikes back and you see tatooine and yavin and maybe somewhere else again you know you know like in this movie you get you know two three completely different settings yeah you get hoth you get dagobah you get besman like you know ice Swampy craziness and like nothing, like air. And they, well, they fly, so. well, and and similarly in in um the Return of the Jedi, there are a bunch of different setting changes that are yeah. all different. You know, you get you get Tatooine, you get mm-hmm. the um the Wookiee planet, and uh, well, the Ewok planet. Oh, that one. It was supposed to be the Wookiee planet, but we can talk about that later. Oh, really? Yeah. Interesting. I always get them confused, Wookiees and Ewoks, to be honest with you. Yeah. So did Lucas. <laughs> That's even more interesting. <laughs> Not that he really got them confused. They're, but, um, know. they're very different. Yes. <laughs> very, very different, which is uh, puzzling why I always get them confused, but, um, but they're both space yep. bears. Space bears. <laughs> it's true. The one is just little and the other is care, big. Care or grizzly. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Or swallow or grizzly. <laughs> I need to, yes. I, but I need to remember which one are care and which one are grizzly. <laughs> Ewoks. E- oh, here we go. Ewok is shorter than Wookiee. <laughs> there yes. we go. Yes. There we go. So there we go. Mnemonics for Danae. <laughs> it could be a whole class. Alrighty. So, so I guess you know we're pretty much wrapped up on uh, on Empire here, and um, you know it. It we're we're now at the we're now at that to that turning point where the next episode is going to be real ugly. <laughs> it's gonna it's gonna be a rousing discussion. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Lasting five minutes. Yeah. I mean, it's gonna be real bad. <laughs> People are going to be unhappy, and then we're going to end the show. <laughs> well, I mean, most of the people that 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 hopefully listen to this show are, are are of a like mind, so they'll think exactly the same things that we're thinking. Is there yeah. anyone who likes them? I mean, even before I watched any of them, I knew everyone hated them. I mean, there are some pretty serious prequel sympathists out there that like just love George Lucas. Yeah, but okay, in that case, they drank the Kool Aid. Yeah, exactly. Well, and that's what everyone else on the internet says to them. Yeah. Yeah. They're like, yep, good job. You know, drink some more of that Lucas juice. And that, that is why you use logic as well as feelings, guys. <laughs> <laughs> this is why we don't just feel our religions. Nice. Exactly. That's a good one. Uh, that was, that was that's, nice. That's, a, that's an awesome point to end on. Uh, so, um... Get to tip your waitresses. Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> all right so um so i guess until then um you know i guess we'll uh you know that's it 
That's all I got. <laughs> That's all it. It. <laughs> I don't have anything else for you. <laughs> so Jeanette ends on that bombshell. <laughs> yes. On that bombshell, it's time to end. That's right. <laughs> so from all of us at, uh, at Sharp Angles, um, I'm Rich. I'm Danae. I'm Jeanette. All right. And uh, don't forget, too, all of our uh, social media plugs, Sharp Angles, BIC, which now um, tweets out every episode um as soon as it's released so check our twitter feed and then tweet back at us um and uh keep emailing at sharp angles at bacon ice cream.com and don't call that number because you're a robot <laughs> so. if you're not a robot then you can call but yes. rich doesn't believe you that's right not until i hear a human voice that's right all right cool so i am not a robot yes all right so we'll uh we'll see you next time guys Bye. Bye.